to 25. John chapter 2, verses 12 to 25, as we continue in the Gospel of John. Hear then the word of God. And after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of course, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remember that it was written, seal for zeal for your house will consume me. So then, so the Jews said to him, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask now for your blessing and illumination of your Holy Spirit as we turn to this passage from the Gospel of John. We pray, Lord, that we might understand this morning the meaning of true worship and how to live for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In, I have several children's Bibles. My girls love to read them, and so do I. And there are a couple of these Bibles that I would recommend to any adult to read. Not only are they visually entertaining, but they, but they give a good overview of the central message of the Bible. But the point I want to bring up here is how these Bibles portray Jesus. He always 
has a big smile and a pleasant and tender face. I have not found a picture of Jesus with a frown in any of these Bibles. He's always happy, loving, and with his hands stretched to everyone. Now, let me remind you one more time why John wrote this gospel. And at the end of this year that we are going to camp in the gospel of John, I think all of us, by heart, we are going to know this Bible verse. And this Bible verse comes from John 20, verse 31. And it says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. That is the purpose of the Gospel of John. Now, in order for us to have eternal life in Jesus, we must really know who Jesus is. In other words, if we believe in a Jesus that is not the one presented in the Bible, we risk believing in a different God. Of course, with this introduction, you, I don't want you to think that Jesus is not tender and loving. Of course, he is but we must understand Jesus in all his dimensions, not just the ones that we like. So we need to consider this morning what moved Jesus to do what he did here in our passage. So, after the, the wedding of at at Cana, Jesus went down to Capernaum, and then he went to Jerusalem for the Passover. So can you imagine the joy it brought to Jesus to be part of this festivity? He was joining the pilgrimage of people coming to worship in Jerusalem from every corner, literally every corner of the world. All these people were coming to worship God, remembering how God saved the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And as soon, as soon as he entered the temple, it says in verse 14, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. There were two problems here. The first problem was that every pilgrim who came to the temple was required to offer sacrifices. No one could come to the temple with empty hands. You should bring your own sacrifice. But sometimes this, me this meant walking with an animal for thousands of kilometers. Add to this the cost of food for the animal and the stinkiness and all the mess, right? 
If you risk doing this, the problem was that the inspectors who checked that the animals were without defects often rejected animals brought from outside. Then forcing people to buy from the temple's market. The second problem was that each worshiper coming to the temple had to pay a tax, tax at Passover. And only pure silver coins of sound weight were accepted in the temple. And that is why money changers were at hand to exchange currency. Of course, all these brought a big, a big profit, a profit to the temple. And all the profit was shared with the family of the high priest, the priest, the Levites, the people who were selling and exchanging money there, and even with Herod, the king that everybody hates. So this, this feast was not the feast of Passover anymore, but the feast of profit over. It was a business, nothing related to worshiping God. So when Jesus saw all this, he was disgusted. That's what we read in verses 15 and 16. And making a whip, of course, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins, and, uh, coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. The reason why Jesus reacted this way has his own explanation in the next verse, in verse 17. His disciples remembered it was written, seal, seal, for your house will consume me. And in the Gospel of Mark, in this event, in this same event, we have a little, a little bit more clarification on this, on this passage. Verse chapter 11, verse 7, Mark, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 17 says, it is not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. Can you see what was wrong here? There was corruption at every level. Those who came to worship looked for the most convenient way to worship God. And the priest and the Levites and all the people around the temple, they profited from the needs of those who came to worship God at the temple. 
And so Jesus could not remain silent. And he did what he did because he was passionate about the things of God and the worship of God. It is not easy for some people to imagine Jesus making a whip, of course. But to understand this, we must first understand how he felt about God's honor and true worship. And his disciples understood this. Seal, seal for your house will consume me. Jesus was consumed by how people came to worship his father, and he despised worship for the sake of profit and power. So the question right now is this. How is this passage related to us? Because we are not anymore in this temple at Jerusalem. We, not, we are not traveling to Jerusalem. I wish to go, but how is this passage related to us? Passage, one of the most beautiful psalms, is Psalms, Psalm 51, and it says in verse 16 and 17, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it you will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. If we all define, if we all define what worship is, we will have many different, different views, wouldn't we? But the point of this passage for this morning is not that we think, is not what we think worship is or how we like to worship God, but what God's view, God's view of worship is. That is the point in this passage. So that is a good question that we need to be asking ourselves because, because worship in the eyes of God is not a supermarket where I prefer, where I prefer it this way and he prefers it this way and she preferred it in some other way. What we learn from this passage is that God has, says, has said much through the scriptures about through worship. And it starts, as we read in this passage in Psalm 51, it starts with the humility of asking God, how do you want me to worship you? So you see, true worship starts with an attitude of poverty. I don't have anything to offer. And second, I don't know what to offer. 
start with an attitude of brokenness and repentance and saying, God, I need to know how do you want me to worship? Worship is focused on something other than ourselves, something other than our convenience or something other than entertainment. All these things that we can think that is worshiping God are things maybe that are offending God and bringing dishonor to God. And at the end, it is not true worship. If we are to worship God, then we need to know how to do it. And the only way that we can worship God is through the song. And probably you are going to think, oh, Marvin, again, where do you bring all these things from the passage? But notice with me the answer that Jesus gave to these people. What signs? What, what sign in verse 18 do you show us for doing these things? And Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise, I will raise it up. So you see, I'm not inventing anything here. It is Jesus himself telling us to worship starts with moi. Starts with Jesus. And probably this response may sound cryptic and vague, but vague, but Jesus is pointing to is pointing us to a new place to come and worship. Remember when he said in, in, in when John said in, in chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh. It says, and Jesus became flesh and dwelt among us. Means in Jesus' tabernacle among us. It says, Jesus is the temple of God where the presence of God dwells. He is the place where you and I can come to worship. He is the place where you and I can come to meet God. That's what we find there in the Gospel of John. I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. And then in the same gospel that we are going to study later, John 15 says, and apart from me, you, can, you cannot do what? Anything. When he was talking about his body, he spoke about 
about, about when he was talking about destroying his body, he was talking about his sacrifice on the cross. He was pointing to the cross early in his ministry. He was pointing and saying, destroy this temple. When he spoke about raising the temple in three days, he spoke about his resurrection on the third day. Now, the application is this. Jesus' death on the cross is where sin is forgiven and man is received as worshiper of God. How to worship God it's a good question, and the answer is, meet Jesus. So let me ask you this morning, have you come to the cross for the forgiveness of your sins? Or do you still believe it is enough to be a nice person, a good Samaritan, or an activist for good causes? I'm not saying that those things are not good things. What I am saying is that those sacrifices are not going to bring you close to God. In worship, we recognize that it is only through Jesus that people are reconciled with God. Just as the Jews had to come to Jerusalem to worship God, we must come to Jesus to worship God. There is no other way. But if you already have come to Jesus, have been reconciled with God, the question is this, do you have that kind of seal Jesus had for God's honor and integrity for true worship? Because that should be our primary goal in everything we do. Is God being glorified in our decisions? Small decisions, big decisions. Is He worshipped with your decisions that you take daily? Are you asking, are we asking ourselves, Lord, the things that I am doing today are pleasing to you? If not, change my direction. Move my heart to the right direction. Through the true worship where you are honored through Jesus Christ in me. Is God's name being lifted in how we do things here at this church, in our homes, or at work? The glory of God, the honor of God, and the humility to worship God in the way that pleases Him 
should be our greatest desire in life. And that's what we learn from this passage. So let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you for giving us a, a big picture, Jesus, of who you are. And that, as, as you said, the seal, seal of, of your house consumes you. We want to, to learn, Jesus, how to please you. We want to learn, Lord, what are the things that bring honor and glory to you. Because that is true worship. It's not just our songs. It's not just our praises. It's not just coming to church. It's the way that we live and think and the way that we understand who you are, Jesus. Thank you for this morning for showing us a bigger picture of who you are, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand up and let's sing together this last song. And let's make it a prayer. Here I am to worship. <laughs>